Welcome to A&E Anything and Everything with Aaron and Aaron. I'm Aaron. And I'm Aaron. And uh, every every episode we provide you with uh, uh, two topics of complete randomness. No idea what either of us has been working on, so it's a surprise to each of us as well. Uh, we're going to give a short presentation on our topic and then a short game or quiz of some kind. Uh, whichever player uh, has more points uh, at the end of the episode wins the episode uh, and uh, it feels a little guilty uh, about about winning uh, so many times against someone that they enjoy and respect. Uh, or at least it's- that's how it's been with me. <laughs> I was going to say, is someone else on the show today? Because I don't know that you enjoy or respect me. Just kidding. You do. I'm kidding. I'm just being a bitch, guys. Uh, I'm mad because I took a sip of what I thought was going to be the most delicious energy drink I've ever tried in my whole life. And I immediately was like, let you down. Dying. I made faces. Yeah. I feel is like a, I. Is I, it a Christmas drink? It looks red and green on the top. Uh, no, but it is one of the other things that is red and green. It's watermelon. Oh, but it's, okay. But it's not. I don't know what this flavor is, but it's not watermelon. Mm-hmm. I wish I had just got another uh, eight pack of the watermelon liquid death that I usually drink now in the morning. Okay. That's okay. You live, you learn. You drink well, a 10 calorie drink. I am drinking one of the most uh, delicious things I've had, which is the new Mountain Dew. It's this Mountain Dew Summer Freeze. Um, and they have tons of these little pod, the red, white, and blue popsicles on the on the cover. And that's oh. that's exactly what it tastes like, which I think is just raspberry or blue raspberry flavor. Oh, I can tell you. I've not mm. done a topic on these yet, mm. but those three pops. So it's cherry lemonade and blue raspberry mix Ah, okay yeah that sounds amazing it it actually is delicious like i'm not a fan of all of mountain dew's random flavorings like i I like uh was it pitch black the great one i don't know that one i like and i like this one uh and i like voltage but i mean aside from that the other ones are just kind of eh but this one's actually really good i really like the summer freeze summer freeze summer freeze jotting that down because go get some it's it's really good i like it a lot they have a zero sugar in that one or not it's okay I if they don't, don't. know they usually they usually have a zero sugar version when they come out uh with the new one i did not see it in my local dollar generals where i picked this up but um th- it, there may be one available i don't know because hmm. i've recently uh i i try not to drink soda um i think we've talked yeah. about this before yeah. but i do love me some like fun flavored sodas every once in a mm-hmm. while so i've i've rekindled my love affair with uh dr pepper cherry but mm-hmm. i'm doing the zero calorie one because yes. i looked at the dr pepper cherry regular cans that i was buying and saw that they had like 46 grams of sugar in one can and i said hey fatty you probably don't need that so i switched to the zero sugar because diet dr pepper has always tasted the most like its source beverage Um, and i feel like i should warn you the the non-zero sugar version of this also has 43 grams of added sugars uh, which i also don't need but that's why I've not been drinking this constantly. Like I have maybe one or two cans a day and that's well, that, it. Yeah. That's the thing is that I, I probably would only maybe have a can of that a day if I bought it. Yeah. So I'm still going to try it. It's, but it is, it is really good. If you see it out in the wild, absolutely try it. <laughs> in the wild. Slow well, boxes I, roaming. I, Listen, I I barely ever get out of my apartment, so when I do leave, it's uh, me going out into the wild. So, 
I, I went to, I don't leave either. You know this. We're both basically hermits, guys. Yes. Um, I put a real bra on yesterday because I went to a store and a restaurant. I know, right? Wow. I, I wow. went back to my house. Um, wow. Yeah, I went to a Target. Man, when you don't leave the house often, Target is not a place. I, I was with my folks. We went to look for uh, Kristen Farley who listens to our show. I think I've mentioned mm. she's coming to watch Abby while I'm in Europe. Oh, very cool. Um, so my mom and dad wanted to get her some towels to use that weren't my like had since we moved out the first time mismatched shit towels. <laughs> and, okay. um, and I had to go because they will be my adult towels later. So <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll go. So we went to Target and we do this thing my whole life. My parents and I have gotten to stores and they go, you want to split up? And we say yes. And we all go our separate ways. And most of my life, I get a text <laughs> that says, we're at the front. Where are you? This time, I didn't hear my phone. I didn't feel my Apple Watch. I literally was just like wandering around the store in wonder at like all the products that have been released since the last time I left my house. And um, I went upstairs to where the like towels were, and my mom and dad were literally like standing there, like the parent style, like not quite tapping their foot, but just like, where the fuck did you go? Kind of a face. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't leave the house. This was very exciting. <laughs> um, and spoiler alert, we left with no towels. Uh, so there must have been. <laughs> Someone told people in that they neck of the of woods. They were out of towels. Mostly out of towels. They had like the super cheap go back to college kind that like you can't just use one. You'll need like three towels after a bath. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so that was, yeah, I left the house. It's delightful. Oh, so good. <laughs> Unfortunately, it prompted me to buy this watermelon monster. And now I hate it. Ouch. Sorry. Nah, it's not your fault. Wait, they can't. They can't all own, be winners. Do you own Monster Energy Drink? Because then it's your fault. <laughs> um, I cannot either confirm nor deny. Um, Although I guess you'd probably we both would. You would probably not have met me and would live a very exciting, fulfilling life as the owner of a gajillion dollar company. You would think so. Um, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, okay. No, I do not own Monster Niche Trick. <laughs> I would be making much different decisions, uh, I think, uh, than putting out a, a watermelon type drink because everyone has a watermelon flavor. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, what, let's see, what have I been up book? to? Uh, How's your book going? Uh, it's still booking. Um, we, uh, the, uh, the cover artist and I have reached an agreement. Um, we uh, just need to get the contract uh, written up and signed. And then then I pass that on to the publisher. And then uh, the, the, the publisher will look it over and make sure everything meets their blah, 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 blah. Very boring contracty stuff. But uh, hopefully we'll be through it uh, by the end of next week. And then we are off to the races. I, uh, I heard when you're beta readers didn't finish reading her copy mm -hmm. uh, several of mine have not re finished reading although one who did and this is really kind of exciting at least for me um is uh author aaron connors uh who wrote the tex murphy series of um sci-fi noir detective novels and also the the video game is based on the same he had a huge part in um I reached out on a whim, asked if he'd be willing to to read them, and he said yes. And uh, it took him a, a little less than a month, but he did finish the book uh, just recently and sent me back the most lovely uh, follow-up email. Uh, he absolutely enjoyed the book, really loved it, uh, found it to be a page-turner, um, and uh loved some of the concepts that i brought up but he also loved the pacing of the humor like uh, he thought that when i did deploy humor it was it was deployed at a very you know appropriate time to keep the mood 
you know, from growing too stale. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he he did have some concern. He th- he thought that everybody kind of accepted, the, you know, their their fate in the the first act a little too easily. Um, and he thought maybe they would be making more of an effort to get out until he reached the ending and found out why. Uh, and then he was like, "Oh, okay, now it makes a little more sense." And I was like, yeah, but part of me also feels like it would still be pretty early. They would, they might, you might be onto something. They might be rebelling a little bit more. Pushing back harder. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's something to think about. And there may be some slight changes to the first act uh, going into the final, uh, final draft. So I think I probably wasn't your best choice because I, (laughs) I, I forced you to give me the second. A draft um at gunpoint okay well i don't i don't own any guns and guns are bad don't buy them <laughs> um no i i just love it so much it's hard for me to be critical of it mm-hmm. um in fact i i did not like that different characters had a like a inner monologue it was confusing to me for like a second and then I was like, just kidding. I love it so much. It's fine. Leave it. Like it's because you you start. Well, it's fine. We're not going to do this. No, um, no. It's 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 a valid uh, concern because there are there are two characters who have an inner monologue. There really should be a third. Um, without without spoiling anything, in the prologue, the the character Sam. we focus on in the prologue, Sam, has an inner monologue, and then from then on out, it's, it's just, just that one character. It's just the protagonist, yeah. Chris. Yeah. Um, but there are also interludes that come from the 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 um, perspective of another character who I feel who you're right um, that. She's like the only one who doesn't, who is the the focus of certain chapters. They're they're from her perspective, but we don't get an inner monologue. Don't get her. the inner monologue, yeah. Which is which in retrospect, now that I think about it, that is weird. Like why why does Sam have one? Why does Chris have one? And this third character doesn't. Yeah. Um, when when we see things from her perspective as well. Uh no, it's a good point. Uh and it's something I should probably think about uh for uh, the final draft. I, I definitely well when I went yeah when I went through the prologue I was like hmm, I don't know how I feel about Sam because Sam's Sam and then yeah. I was like makes sense with Chris and then I got over it but, yeah uh, again <clears throat> I I just I can't I this goes on the list of things that I will be reading annually along with uh, Ready Player One oh, well thank you um, that's delightful. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a storytelling technique. I don't know where, if anywhere, I get it from. Like my my favorite authors are like um, David Eddings and um, well uh, Agatha Christie, really, and neither of them really do that. Um, that thing of you know outright telling you what the character's thinking, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might they might indicate the mood of a certain character. So and so is feeling melancholy or what have you. Um, but but I just have, you know, words in italics that are meant to represent the exact inner thoughts of the character at that moment in time. And I can't honestly tell you where I got that from. My best guess would be a video game because uh, the Danganronpa series is pretty heavy on that. Like, um, you know, a lot of times the the. the you know the text turns purple and you know it's supposed to be that character's inner thoughts and inner i'm like thoughts, yeah. yeah so uh, the 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 literary um equivalent of that i guess is is putting words in italics so yeah no that's a really good point and i that, that that's exactly what i need is i need people thinking about these things that i don't think about uh so yes uh, so far you've been as good or better of a beta reader than some of the other ones so <laughs> don't don't be too don't be too hard on yourself you did exactly what i needed which is giving me ideas and thoughts and things that i that i hadn't considered um which uh, also aaron connor's uh, was a brilliant beta reader had uh, 
positive things to say, but also had some constructive criticism. It's exactly what I need. Like <laughs> I need to know what works and I need to know what doesn't. And, uh, and uh, so uh, any beta reader who helps with that is really appreciated. A beta well, reader who just comes along and says, I loved it. Thank you for letting me read it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Won't be coming back to you for book number two. <laughs> um, I, have to say though all i ask as you're uh almost we're at like a year and a half of friendship it feels longer not in a bad way but uh all i ask is that when you're casting the movie you just consider uh asking me who should be in it because i have uh created what the characters look like in my head and i don't want to be sad when i see the movie <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But also, it, it, seriously, uh, I anyway, I'm done gushing. Hmm. Uh, no, that's that's perfectly fair. Um, and the beta reading process is really is really interesting because, um, like the people who are my closest friends have legitimately and and this is not to be a knock against any of them like um the people who have been my closest friends have been the least helpful like the the person the person who you want to give your book to honestly and and this is this is no joke if you if you write a book or if anyone listening to this is thinking about writing a book when you go to when you go to uh, look for people to read your book and give you feedback, honestly, I've had the best results with people who are like perhaps ambivalent to you or maybe acquaintances like lower on the friendship scale. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that, why that is like, you know, people don't want to let you down. They don't want to they don't want to give you bad news. You know, nobody wants to be that messenger of like, sorry, your book sucks. Um, <laughs> I, look, I was terrified going into mm, it because mm. I have read other friends books and I'm mm. like, Oh no! Sometimes, and right. you just—it's hard to tell someone that you know. Hey, I know you think you're great at this. It's like the right. reason so many people's families let them go on American Idol mm. because they don't want to tell them they can't sing. Yeah, uh, it's that same thing where they just don't want to hurt them. But yeah, yeah. well, uh, the lone exception to this, uh, I would say, would be if you, you if. If you know someone who is is a very good friend of yours, but also has a literary background, like they are already a published author, yeah. or or like they, uh, like for example, uh, one of my good friends uh, who was also a good beta reader was my friend Caroline from the Ultra Hope Girls podcast. Uh, because she has a literary degree so she had uh she was not holding back she had a lot of great insights um of course because she studied the stuff and she uh you know was able to communicate all of that good stuff to me without without hurting my feelings you know and in, in a way that was very constructive um which again is exactly what i need uh for my beta readers so yeah. um yeah, no. Um, so I guess it would be, you know, give give your give your book to people who aren't such close friends unless they are literary qualified to do so, because then the results will still turn out OK. But um, Stevie has finished the book, oh, had, okay. noth had, had nothing but rave reviews. <laughs> I'm like thanks, <laughs> um, but uh, he enjoyed it, which you know I'll take I'll take away the joy from that. But maybe wow. the second book I'll wait until it's published and then I'll give him a copy. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited for you. Yeah, uh, who knows what the future holds? Uh, but, well, actually, I do because uh, we're coming up on uh, topic time. Uh, it's been about twenty minutes, so um, let's get into it. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go into our first topic. Uh, as this is an even numbered episode, uh, Aaron, you will be going first. So, I, I know I ask you every time, and you don't always have a hint for us. But uh, do you got one this time? Maybe. 
Yeah, well, I just want to say that there's always room for it. Maybe. Ooh, okay. I have a few ideas, but we'll find out what Aaron's talking about right after this. Hey, Bridget. Hey, Erin. You know what time it is. No, what time is it? It's Bicoastal Biatches time. Finally, we so need to catch up. Join the Bitch Brigade and listen to Bicoastal Biatches. Where can they find us? iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back. It's time for part two, which means uh, our first topic of the episode. Uh, and Aaron's going first. Aaron, what do you got for us? I want to talk about Jello salad. Oh, okay. I was half right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so sweet and savory gelatin has been around for centuries. They were served in first class aboard Titanic. Mm. Uh, they've also been served to the likes of Marie Antoinette in Versailles. Uh, literally, they've been around since about the 14 or 1500s. <laughs> but why is it that images of mid-century jello stand? Or, oh, my God. Hi. Hello. I'm on a podcast. I can talk. But why do images of 20th century jello salads both fascinate and terrify us? Well, I got to say I'm almost more terrified about the past because in the 1700s to create gelatin, uh, I'm specifically choosing the 1700s because this was the first uh, written recipe I could find. Uh, but basically, you would create gelatin by boiling bones for hours, and then you strained it through flannel bags, which then you left it to sit for 24 hours, so the fatty bits of the bone would rise to the top of this juice. Then you took the fat from the bones off the top, slice it into chunks, combined it with egg whites, and then throw it back into the flannel bag. Also, I don't know about you, but I'm imagining like a buffalo plaid flannel like shirt consistency. I don't understand the flannel part of this bag. It sounds like it would make it fuzzy. Anyway, so this whole process basically took about 48 hours. And then they would flavor it with orange flower water, wine, sugar, or lemon, and then adding delicate bits of food suspended in the gelatin for beautiful table decor. Well, mm -hmm. thank goodness Jello came along in 1897, and that shortened the process. Uh, instant Jello became much easier to make, and. Uh, a lot less disgusting than boiling calves' hooves. Uh, jumping forward about 50 years, we had our mid-century modern marvels. They brought the science of tomorrow into the kitchen in this post-World post War II boom. Uh, these jello molds were wild. And as best I can tell, there must have been some really crazy weather or tornadoes at all uh, picnics, uh, creating huge disasters. Because every article I read uh, from old women's housekeeping and Southern Living type magazines mentioned that jello salads don't breach the perimeter of their plate or bowl the way a tossed salad would. So again, I'm just envisioning like the town potluck. And there's just salad everywhere because why else would it be such an important talking point in so many <laughs> journal entries uh, or, or uh, articles? <clears throat> uh, basically, the articles would talk about encasing leftovers and or salad fixings into the wiggly bubble to take away the mess and waste from the menu, repurposing those leftovers so that you didn't have to throw away the unused remnants of prior night's dinners. The jello salad would range from fruity whipped cream dreams to tuna fish and hot dog filled nightmares. Yeah. 
Whether you wanted to eat them or not, they were always a showstopper at the parties and picnics. And while the gelatin process was faster, they were still a layered thing. So it took hours for these housewives to pour a layer and insert the hot dogs or whatever savory item or the fruit items. But they were always delicately layered and even if they were one consistent color you still had to pour a little bit of jello at a time because you had to layer the objects floating inside it so these were so widely popular that you literally couldn't go anywhere i found a recipe for a potato salad one and i was like that would actually be fine uh-huh. potato salad is a cold thing it is in a like a sauce so when you scooped it up, I don't think it would be that terrible. But it looks off-putting. Well, <laughs> it does. They do. For the better part of my life, I've been absolutely fascinated. But I've never had the desire to spend the time or money gambling on a potato salad jello mold or any of the like, tuna or hot dog varieties that were wildly popular for dinners. One recipe that I did find that I might be willing to try just takes an awful lot of time, but it consists of a creamy vanilla base and slices of orange, lime, and cherry jello cut into tiny little strips scattered through the floating or floating through the vanilla mixture, all encased in a graham cracker crust. It sounds amazing. It does sound really also good. Also, sounds like it's going to take me two days to make it because I have to cut tiny or, strips of Jello. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's, a, a, but it does sound really, really good. It sounds so tasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of them included folding in whipped cream into the Jello to give it that creamy texture. Uh, others included things like mayonnaise, horseradish, and mustard. By the 1980s, the Jello salad craze was fading fast. Healthy living campaigns of the 70s greatly impacted the sugary sweet salads that led to more healthy options like tossed salads and the rise of the sun-dried tomato. So that was kind of when we stopped seeing them. Um, But I don't want to stop talking about them, so I created a game for you. Um, and this oh can be dear. a, this oh can be a test of how well you think you know me. It's uh, called Eat It or Beat It. And uh, I, I'm going to read you the name of the salad, some of its ingredients or preparation. And then you get to guess whether I would eat it or beat it out of that party and not have it. And there is not, it's not like five and five or anything oh. like that. I will say, if you have a convincing enough reason why I shouldn't eat it, I will still give you the point, even if you're wrong mm. or right. Okay. If you, if you can convince me to eat it, basically, I will still give you the point. Okay. Let's jump in. Well done. Our first is called Christmas Snow Salad. The creamy red jello salad is made with unflavored gelatin, crushed pineapple, whipped topping, mayo, powdered sugar, and scattered throughout the layers of that mixture are chopped red and green maraschino cherries, pecans or pecans, depending on how you like to say it, listeners, and walnuts. And this one should be served in a festive holiday mold to best represent either a retro Christmas ornament or perhaps a wreath. Um, uh, oh, for me, that's a beat it. I'm, I'm, once you say there's mayonnaise in it, I'm like, oh, um, no, thank you. Pass. Uh, however, I don't know your dietary prejudices, so... I'm just going to have a guess. You found the potato salad one interesting. This could work. Like it it could genuinely be good and and kind of festive as well at the same time. I'll I'll try eat it. I'm so sorry. You should have gone with your first. I should have gone with my gut. Yeah. I also heard mayo followed yeah. by nuts yeah. and I said, yeah. "You know what doesn't go together?" 
Those two kind of nuts also don't even mm. complement each other. But on mm. top of it, the mayo just knocked me right out. So I'm yeah, sorry. Me too. That's okay. I, I should I should have. Uh, well, I didn't know. So, you know, there we go. Well, I sense you may not know some of these. So at the end, there's one that you probably will get right. So you'll get at least one point. Um, uh, fingers crossed. This we'll next see. one, ranch tomato aspic. So this red salad was a staple of luncheons. It contains Campbell's tomato soup, buttermilk salad dressing, lemon juice, a little bit of mayo, green bell peppers, celery, and then you were to plate it on leaves of lettuce for a little hint of color to the redness. I should say that the most popular aspect, which is seen at most luncheons in the mid-century period was tomato aspects. Some some version of it because it was so easy to combine the Campbell's tomato soup into the gelatin. Okay. Uh, it's not going to change my opinion. <laughs> I, I once again would beat it. No, thank you. Um, that's just, that's a lot of savory in one place. It's, it's basically like, you know, when you have like a, a, a dessert, that's too rich, it's way too sweet. This feels like it would be almost the opposite, almost way too sour, not, not necessarily sour, sour, but it, it's just, it's just overwhelmed with savory. So I kind of, uh, it is, it was a little bit healthier, but I, I'm going to say beat it both for myself and for you, fingers crossed, knock on wood. I'm really excited because I'm probably going to win my game. Um, I actually would eat this one. Wow. I think it sounds like a congealed gazpacho. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. Oh, Christ. A congealed gazpacho. How is that tasty? <laughs> well, because it's textural. It's not that the flavor wouldn't be good. I would try it. I should have made it try it or <laughs> or deny I, it. Deny it. Yeah. Yeah. Try it or yeah. deny it. Right. Yeah, that's okay. You so, but you would you would try this. So that's yes. Fine. Let's move forward and we will say try okay. it or deny it. Oh man! All I can picture is a gazpacho that's been sitting there for days on end. <laughs> Okay, well, you're going to really like this next one, I'm sure. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is called the molded egg salad. This is an unflavored gelatin base with hard-cooked eggs, mayo, and veggies. Uh, the veggies are of your choosing, but most commonly were olives, parsley, and celery. You garnish it with additional slices of hard-cooked egg. And sprigs of parsley. It says you can top the salad with green peas, but that's a preference. Um, I mean, this one doesn't sound so bad. Again, it has mayo in it, but I, the addition of celery, I think, sold me. Uh, I would probably at least try this. So I'm gonna. I would say eat it for me. I'm batting a thousand for you, but I'm going to say eat it as well. You didn't like this one. I didn't like it. I'm tempted mm. to give you a pity point, though, because it would kind of just be like egg salad. And I don't want your pity points. Okay. All right. Well, then you're, you're 0 for 3. Yep. Let's uh let's move along there. We have <laughs> I think you might get this next one, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I left out an integral part of the other one. It said that you should serve it. You should slice it and serve it with saltine crackers, but it's fine. The answer would have been the same. Jellied chicken salad. Honestly, oh. uh, I like I like crackers so much that that wouldn't change the eat it for me. Uh, I would I would still eat that. That sounds it's it's the uh, I don't like parsley and I don't like celery and I don't think olive belongs in oh, egg okay. salad. So it was a combo of the insertion. I think just like the the eggs and celery might have been. I don't know. Anyway. All right. 
This next one, um, the article actually said that the title of this was polarizing, and I think it's true. Jellied chicken salad. This one, uh, I think you might want to eat it based on you wanting to eat the last one. So this is hard-cooked eggs, (laughs) mayo, uh, chicken, and it's all in a chicken um, broth. So it's unflavored gelatin mixed with chicken broth, and then they layered in eggs, and then um, leftover chicken, just basically shredded leftover chicken from the night before. Uh, I don't know what it is about this one, but uh, beat it for me. Like yeah, I, no. I, I, I can't. It's uh, it's too much chicken. Uh, you've got uh, dead baby chicken and chicken in a chicken broth. It's too much for me. <laughs> it sounds salty. Weirdly for me, it's the mix of the chicken, the chicken broth, and the mayo that just puts me off. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want mayo mixed with my chicken. I no, stay this, away. This one was sort of a tan color. Uh, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Gonna you be throwing up to, by the end of this. <laughs> you didn't have to see these pictures, so you uh you really lucked out. So um, good job. So, it's, oh. You got that one right, because it's disgusting. Oh, okay. Uh, uh to be fair, I, I was gonna say also beat it for you, uh, but that was for myself. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh but I was going to say beat it for you as well, so uh it, it worked out anyway. Okay. I'll take that point. And All it's right. not a pity point. Uh, All right. Okay. So this next one mm-hmm. is made with black cherry flavored and raspberry flavored gelatin mixed together with a can of Coca-Cola filled with chopped pecans or pecans, juicy dark sweet cherries, crushed pineapple, and flaked coconut. Cream cheese would be folded into it to give it a creamy consistency um i mean for me this is a no-brainer for me this is needed absolutely um the only thing i don't like is the inclusion of the nuts if you, if you skip that the, uh, i'm all over this uh like white on rice in a snowstorm um as for you though i don't know um but i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to my gut because so far, it's when, it seems like it's when I differ from, from what I guess for you that I end up getting punished. So I'm going to say you would also try this. At least try it. I I would not only try it. I bookmarked this one, but I, too, would leave out the pecans. I think the pecans would – I keep saying pecan differently or pecan because I need your approval, audience. Uh I don't like nuts and jello. In fact, my mom and dad make a cranberry uh, salad every year for Thanksgiving that has been made in my family since jello salads were popular in the 50s. And um, it's got nuts in it, and I hate it so much. But mm. if there were no nuts, I quite like the fruit suspended in the jello, and the it's pleasant. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but, all right. But I, I love the idea of the cherry and the raspberry mix. The can of Coke was surprising, but I'm willing to try that because cherry Coke is great. Um, and I can only imagine raspberry Coke is also. No, I've had raspberry Coke. I like it. I like that, too. Um, so, yeah, I would say there's nothing wrong with this aside from the pecans. And if need be, I'll stomach those just to try the rest. Well, there were quite a few recipes that included adding either uh, 7-Up or Coke into hmm. the Jello because it gave it like a little bit of like a of a sparkle, they said. So <laughs> it must have transferred a little of the effervescence, I guess. But anyway. Some, some bubbles, certainly. Okay, next up we have orange sherbet salad. This sherbet gets mixed into warm orange gelatin. So you take cold sherbet... <laughs> And mix it in a hot orange gelatin, creating a creamy base. 
When the gelatin is partially set, you're going to stir in crushed pineapple, mini marshmallows, mandarin oranges, and whipped cream. Then you chill until firm and garnish with whipped cream, like little peaks around the top. Eat it. Eat it all day long. It's like an orange creamsicle in jello form. I'm all over this. Yes, please. Can I have some now? <laughs> it sounds so good. I don't even oh like creamsicles, but this sounds so bomb. I want it so bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that this one was another. Eat it. Well I, 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 I love orange cream skulls, so I'll put these into every orifice in my face. Like, just just give me all of that orange cream skull jello, please. I'll absorb it via osmosis. Just Okay, all right. <laughs> Next up, we have the three-layer mold. The three-layer mold consisted of three separate layers of color. So this was a, a three-step process. This took most of the housewife's day. Mm. Uh, the first layer uh, was cherry jello. Cherry jello. Oh, my God. Uh, the first layer is cherry jello filled with dark, sweet cherries. Then you add a layer of lemon jello with cream cheese folded into it. And then you top that off with the third layer, which is lime jello and crushed pineapple. Mm. For me, this is an eat it. I don't know how you feel about cream cheese, but I'm also going to say eat it. You would be correct. I think this sounds like a fucking delight. Uh, also kind of visually interesting too with the it's three so, different colors yeah, it's really nice uh, they're they describing it the way you would pour it into the pan the picture it's red yellow green but it's mm -hmm. it's real nice and if the prettier the mold look no argument here these are showstoppers for events mm -hmm. some of them are going to taste like ass okay number eight <laughs> You're you're yes. on a little hot streak now. You've got four right out of seven. Okay. I'll take that. All right. This next one. Strawberry pretzel salad. So this, <laughs> instead of a graham cracker crust, this has a crust that you bake in the oven, but it is made entirely of smashed pretzels, butter, and sugar. So you have this salty, buttery crust. And then you have a layer of whipped cream and cheese, uh, or sorry, whipped cream and cream cheese. And then you pour in the third layer of the dish, which in this one, you make this in a 13 by nine, or you create it in a 13 by nine pan. So you're actually layering this bottom to top. This is the only jello salad in this that you're layering that way. Everything else is, look, anyway. <clears throat> This is garnished with, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So the top layer is strawberry jello with canned strawberries in it. And then you garnish it with whipped cream and sprinkle uh, pretzel bits on the top. Okay. I, 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 I would probably at least try it. So I would probably say eat it for me, but for you, does this work? I don't know. I, I legitimately don't know. This is a coin flip for me. Uh, I'm going to say beat it just because we haven't had a beat it for a while. Mm. You would also eat this one? Not only would I, but every summer the Scabaretti family makes one of these really yeah we traditionally have this either around like memorial day or fourth of july it is a goddamn delight it is okay so good and honestly just inner fat kid if you didn't have jello you could just do the cream cheese whipped cream and the pretzels mm -hmm. that's really the star of this this one mm. is a vintage recipe but it kind of leans a little bit away from the jello salad. Anyway. Okay. All right. Let's move on. This next right. one, number nine. You're still, you're 50% here. You can still win for the day. 
lime gelatin, and cottage cheese salad. So lime jello meets pineapple and cottage cheese. But to keep things a little fun, the salad also includes chopped nuts, lemon juice, condensed sweetened milk, and prepared horseradish. No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Beat it all day long. Um, and screw it, I'll say that for you as well. This is, this is n- not happening. This sounds like a nightmare. When I yes. read the title, I was like, well, people put screw in their cottage cheese all the time. This yes. will be fine. And then I kept reading and I yeah. got to the sweetened condensed milk. Just and I was like, worse and worse why? in your life. Oh, and then oh. I got, yeah, the horseradish was when I was like, burn this cooking book. Don't let I, anyone ever see it again. I'm going to have a stomach ache by the time this is done. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to uh, fucking hate the last one then. Oh, boy. Shrimp jello salad. Ah, uh, you know what? No, beat it. You don't even have to describe it. Just beat I w- it. I have to describe it. Oh, that God. is the game. Oh, God. So this one is cocktail shrimp, can of corn, frozen mixed vegetables and then it said preferably broccoli carrots and peas unflavored gelatin and our friend chicken broth oh jesus no burn it (laughs) all right so for me this was not even beat it burn it burn it this one was a no but i will tell you if you Stop trying to put all this shit in fucking chicken broth. If you had like a cocktail sauce mixed into unflavored gelatin and you had neatly arranged shrimp around like the thing and layered it as you poured it and you had an easy to eat shrimp cocktail jello, I would a thousand percent try that. Your face. (laughs) Guys, I wish we, I wish you could see Aaron's face right now. Oh God. Oh God! I it, we we gotta go to break soon. I, I have to run to the bathroom and, and uh, just uh, take a few minutes. Oh God! Um, well, you got six points. Yay! I guess. <laughs> I'm just not not particularly proud of that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so uh, that's Aaron's topic. Well done, uh, and. When we come back, we're going to do my topic, and I can uh, share that my topic also links to food, uh, and I'm going to take you on a real bender. Uh, So we'll find out what I'm talking about when we come back right after this. I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are Because Fuck You, That's Why, the podcast that's all about playing games and having fun. Our games are mostly based on British panel shows or British game shows, but we'll play just about anything that catches our attention and imagination. Our show is all about laughs, so please come by and have a great time. Why? Because Because fuck you, that's why. Hello and welcome back to part three uh, of uh, A&E. Uh, it's time for me to present my topic. Um, so I spent a horrifying hour the other day guesting on the Scene in 15 podcast with the BFYTW boys. And I say it was horrifying because they have a system on that show. They watch the first 15 minutes of a movie, and then they decide, based on just those first 15 minutes, whether to keep it, meaning keep watching, or sleep it, meaning give it a pass. For our episode, we did The Breakfast Club. And when I tell you that despite all of the BFYTW boys and Jabo deciding to keep it, Nishan chose to sleep it, and I lost all respect for Nishan forever. Uh, I'm kidding, of course, but I think I realized that I have a greater deal of reverence for The Breakfast Club than I originally suspected, and I wanted to figure out why. If you live under a rock that's located on an entirely different planet to Earth, and you also don't have eyes or ears, and you also don't exist, you might might not know that The Breakfast Club is a 1985 John Hughes movie 
chronicling the American teenager's constant struggle to be understood uh, through the lens of a day of Saturday detention in the library of Shermer High School as five <laughs> students as five students break down the stereotypes they're all cast in and while they may not all become friends they all leave detention transformed by the encounter the movie stars emilio estevez anthony michael hall judd nelson molly ringwald and ali sheedy as the aforementioned teenagers and paul gleason as their authoritarian vice principal and semi-absent chaperone and even though it's rated r it's pretty much all conversation in the library. There's no sex, little to nothing in the way of violence. This is essentially a play in cinematic form. And I liken it to 1994's The Ref, which is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, the students in the breakfast club spend the movie, thanks to an external demanding force, learning to understand each other's points of view and themselves and end the movie embracing each other and themselves. Uh, in the ref, it's essentially the same thing, but within a single family instead of a school. And instead of remaining on the outside, like Vice Principal Vernon, Dennis Leary's cat burglar Gus is eventually appreciated by the main cast. But we're not here to talk about the ref. Maybe another time. Um, interestingly, Molly Ringwald was originally approached to play Allison, Ali Sheedy's role, but she was upset because she wanted to play Claire. And while Jodie Foster, Robin Wright, Diane Lane, and Laura Dern all auditioned for the part, Molly eventually convinced John Hughes and the studio to give it to her. Uh, Emilio Estevez was originally cast as the chaotic John Bender, but was recast as the athlete Andrew Clark when Hughes couldn't find anyone else to fill that role. And Nicolas Cage was considered for Bender. Imagine that movie. Uh, but Judd Nelson eventually won out over John Cusack due to Cusack not looking intimidating enough for the role. Amazingly, the movie wasn't a massive hit on release. Uh, it debuted at just number three at the box office behind Beverly Hills Cop and Witness. And, and it still made over 50 times its $1 million budget, but it arguably had a much bigger cultural impact. Uh, Empire Magazine. Ranked, ranked it at number 369 on their 2008 list of the 500 greatest movies of all time, but upgraded that to number 38 when they rewrote the list in 2014. Uh, New York Times also placed the film on their best 1,000 movies ever list, and Entertainment Weekly ranked number one on their list of the 50 best high school movies. <laughs> And it's hard to talk about The Breakfast Club without mentioning the soundtrack, even though I don't recognize any track on the list. Um, be because the movie is perfectly bookended by an iconic Simple Mind song, whose title I seem to have forgotten. But The Breakfast Club is one of those movies that needs no introduction. In fact, this entire topic has been a giant waste of time because everybody listening probably already knows everything I'm saying, unless for some reason Nishan of Scene in 15 listens to this. But I'm going to try to stump you anyway with some quick Breakfast Club trivia. Uh, I'm just going to give you 10 statements about the movie. Uh, just tell me whether they're true or not. Uh, there is no... Uh, it's not five and five, like tenable uh, or untenable, excuse me. Uh, it's It could be any pattern, so just keep that in mind. Uh, and here we go. Uh, here's the first statement about The Breakfast Club. Number one, John Hughes shot The Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the same time. I think that that's true. It is true. That's point one for you. Um, yeah, they shot at the same time and even used the same high school uh, for a lot of the interior <laughs> shots. It's convenient. Yeah. Uh, the gym, or at least one of the gyms, was converted into uh, the library set that we know of from uh, uh, The Breakfast Club um, <laughs> because the actual library in that particular high school was too small. Wow. Um, instead of the epic library we got for the movie, uh, which is one of the greatest libraries. I mean, like, as far as I'm concerned, uh, <laughs> I really wish my school library had been that just full and wide and 
just grandiose sort of anyway neither here nor there here's a uh, fact number two or is it fiction uh rick moranis was originally cast as the janitor but left due to creative differences Oh, no, that's true. Believe it or not. I was leaning towards true, but I felt mm. like it couldn't. He's such a sweet looking guy. I couldn't imagine that he had difference. Anyway. All right. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess he and John Hughes didn't see eye to eye. Um, and I don't know if Rick Moranis ever made a John Hughes movie after that. Um, number three. The soundtrack got rave reviews with the Village Voice giving the album an A minus, saying Simple Mind Song was an undisputed masterpiece among unforgettable instrumentals. Hmm. True? No, that's false. Uh, Village Voice gave the album a D minus, saying Simple Mind Song was the only good one on the soundtrack, and the rest were forgettable instrumentals <clears throat> uh think about it that simple mind song is the only one you know from the movie <laughs> you probably couldn't imagine or even remember any no, of the others in I your don't. head yeah it's literally just that one song uh let's move on to fact number four molly ringwald wrote an article critiquing the breakfast club in the age of me too for the new yorker in 2018 true this is true she absolutely did that um she was concerned about showing the movie to her daughter um uh in the age of hashtag me too um but anyway moving on to number five also another thing the movie has not aged particularly well especially as in like the first minute there is a there is a locker shown with a homophobic slur written on it in like white paint uh, so anyway, uh, let's move on to fact number five. The movie won a golden bucket of excellence in 2005's MTV Movie Awards. False. This is false. Um, it actually won a silver bucket of excellence. <laughs> okay. uh, I literally, I literally just changed the color, so to speak. Um, for uh, at that time, the movie was exactly twenty years old, uh, wow. and they they managed to reunite most of the cast. Um, <clears throat> although Judd Nelson and I think Emilio Estevez couldn't make it. Uh, let's move on to number six. That is three points for you. You're on track to tie and or beat me, fingers crossed. Uh, Here is fact number six. Metacritic has a 66 out of 100 average review score for the film. What's the score again? 66 out of 100. False. That is true. Ah! Believe it or not, the 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 movie did not originally uh, review very well, um, but uh, I'm not going to get into any more detail than that because we're moving on to number seven. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four. I can't remember if Cisco or Ebert was the dick, so I'm going to say false. Uh. Will it change your answer if I tell you that Roger Ebert um, was the fat one and Siskel was the thin one? And that, generally speaking, Siskel was kinder to movies than Roger Ebert was. So Roger Roger Ebert gave it a three out of four, is what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. The dick gave it a three out of four. False. That's true. Oh, he did give the movie three stars out of four. Um, he thought it was an excellent, uh, an excellent high school movie. Uh, I think it was m- marred only by um, a, a sense of uh, its own self righteousness or something like that. I don't remember. Um, it was it was a ge- it was a generally positive review from him uh, when he didn't give out a ton of those. Uh, Siskel was even more kind. He gave it three and a half stars out of four. 
Um, let's move on to number eight. The Breakfast Club poster family shot uh, <laughs> was satirized in the poster for the comedy horror film Gremlins 2. True. That's false. God. Uh, it was satirized in the comedy horror film uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Okay. Uh, which uh, shows uh, one member of the clan lying down like uh, Claire mm-hmm. and the rest either kind of squatting and then one person standing at the back with a fist raised. Um, so, yeah, that one was false. Uh, let's move on to number nine. Uh, the first print of the movie was 150 minutes long, and Ali Sheedy revealed that a director's cut existed, but Hughes's widow didn't disclose any details of its whereabouts. That sounds like something that would happen. True. That is true. Uh, that actually did happen. Uh, and finally, number 10, the actors rehearsed for three weeks and then they shot the film in sequence. That's, again, sounds like something crazy John Hughes might do. Uh, and it is. It's absolutely true. They shot the film in sequence, which is one, which is another reason why it feels like a play to me, because they genuinely do Progress. grow yeah. as the as the as the thing goes on. And it's a lot easier to maintain that sort of thing as an actor if you do it in sequence. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, you got five rights which is par, and I genuinely thought you were going to beat me on this one. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know why the, the review scores tripped you up so badly, but... Uh, well, because I thought three out of four was pretty good. Yeah. I thought I, I he would have given it like a one or a two. Yeah, I was genuinely shocked that it had a 66 on Metacritic. I like, thought this, that was going to be lower. This You thought it was going to be lower? Oh my yeah. god. Well, because it uh, wasn't well received initially, so I didn't think it was going to be that high. I was shocked it was that low. Like, no. I was like, I remember this as being like one of the all-time classics. Like, how do you, how, how does it have a 66 out of 100 on Metacritic? But you're um, right. It, it it did get lambasted by some reviewers. Um, it just so happens that Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel weren't among them. I... Honestly, it's not my favorite of the Brat Pack movies. I okay. like I like Breakfast Club. Uh, I I fell in love with Joe Nelson in Breakfast Club. However, I really prefer Sixteen Candles. Okay. Well, Although I've that is seen... also very uh, <clears throat> racist, and or, or let's just say that film's pretty bigoted as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a um, there's a scene where one character trades his drunk girlfriend for yeah like something, and it, yeah. it, that's just kind and of then gross. Long duck dong, isn't it? It's very gross, and the grandma feels very up, sexist. Yeah, and, the girl feel, the grandma fills up Molly Ringwald and says, "Oh, your boobs are coming in." There's oh, a lot Jesus of Christ. shit that wouldn't happen in a film these days. Holy hell! Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pass, hard pass. Uh, anyway, so once again, I am doomed to win and feel bad that I keep winning, even though I'm not, I I don't know why Uh, I'm not, I'm not making these particularly hard, or at least I'm not, I'm not trying to. I don't, um, I don't even keep up the kayfabe anymore that I'm like that upset I lose (laughs) either. Like I should be like, oh, I fucking hate you. Why did you win again? Jerk. Versus one of these days, I'll get you, Dr. Claw. <laughs> oh, my God. Penny. And uh, what's her dog's name? I don't remember the dog from Inspector Gadget, unfortunately. Okay, well, that's too, Abby. <clears throat> yep. Penny, you're the, Abby, you're the dog from, from Inspector Gadget. Do-to-do-to-do. Inspector Gadget. It's funny. Um uh, just a tidbit for our listeners before we go, but Abby occasionally, um, for whatever reason, like when we're getting out of the car or whatever, if my if I have something in my hands, I'll kind of lower her down in her harness 
And then every time I think of Punky Brewster, because she would always lower and raise Brandon, her dog, uh, which was a golden retriever, up and down from the window in like a bag tied to a rope. That's my story. Uh, that's kind of delightful. Um, yeah, anyway. Well, all right, uh, everybody. That's going to be it from us, I think. Um, you can follow me at... Uh, Pantsless Aaron in most places, but uh, you can also find me nowadays uh, on, um, you can find me on Twitter. I, I've gone back to Twitter and uh, part of me doesn't know why. Part of me was like, I need to, I need to start marketing for the novel on social medias. And that means it should have a presence on Twitter. Oh, disgusting. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Um, genuinely hate it there when I re-signed up, like the, the list of accounts, it told me to, it suggested that I follow from the off what was literally enough reason for me to go, um, no, I was right to leave. I was, I was right to leave. Like all of them were that, of course, Elon Musk and, uh, this random basketball player and, you know, the, the, a, a couple of other uh, right wing quote unquote celebrities, and I was just like, Ugh, never mind, never mind. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Thane Novel, T H A N E uh, Novel, and uh, that's my Twitter handle. Everywhere else, you'll find me as Pantsless Aaron, uh, and even on Twitter, you won't find me active that often, at least until the book actually gets closer to coming out. At which point I will be spamming that social media with uh, all sorts of stuff, trying to get you to pay attention and hopefully buy my book. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that uh, that does it for me. And where can people find Aaron at T-O-A-O Turtle? Yep. Uh, mo- uh, most, everywhere. most places everywhere. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and uh, you can follow the show at A-N-E underscore podcast. Uh, on Twitter. Um, and if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at a and e mail at iCloud.com. Uh, and that is the place to uh, to uh, send us emails. If you'd like to send in a voicemail that we might play on the show, that would be a place to do it. Um, you can also do so on, on Anchor, uh, where our, our where our podcast is kept. But um, we've had some technical issues with that, so it might be a better idea to just record it and attach it to an email and send it to us at a and email at iCloud.com. But yeah, I think that's going to be it from us. Uh, So it's going to be a goodbye from me and from Aaron. Bye.